Let's say this after me. Say, Father, this is your word. I open my heart to receive it today. I believe it. And I trust you to change me in Jesus' name. And Father, I just thank you, Lord God, that this morning you are speaking to your people. Father, we declare today that, Father, you are breaking bondage. You're breaking uh, yokes. You're setting people free. And that, Father, uh, you would wear me like a glove today. That everything that's said would be of you. You would be the substance. That they would hear your voice. They would hear you speaking to the deep recesses of their hearts. And that we would leave this place changed. We will never be the same. We promise to give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen, Amen. You may be seated this morning. As you grab your seats, uh, would you turn in your Bibles to the book of Habakkuk? Habakkuk. Not Habakkuk. Habakkuk, all right? Habakkuk chapter 2. And um, today I'm going to be speaking about how to start your new year right. How many of you want to start next year right? How many of you want to start next year better than you started this year? Amen. So I'm going to talk about how to start the new year right. And we're going to look in Habakkuk chapter 2. And um, if you don't know where to find that, just look in the front of your Bible. And look down that list. Um, it's before Malachi. That's what I know. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 2. Um, when, I was, uh, when I was in high school, I, w- I went to um, Campion College. That was the name of my high school in Jamaica. It's uh, arguably the best high school in Jamaica. And... Um, and I, I used to uh, go to high school. I, I used to take the public bus to high school. And um, the bus system in Jamaica is not like the bus system in the United States. Um, our bus system is closer to, um, if, if you ever watch um, a New York subway, it's closer to that. We have everybody packed in tight in this one bus and sometimes the door is open. And the drivers do not drive slow because they're all competing with each other for the next passenger. So, we would drive really fast. And um, there was a, at, at the back gate of our school where the bus would drop us off, there was um, a building that, was, uh, for, that housed the Society to the Blind. The Society to the Blind. Uh, Jamaica Society to the Blind. That's what it was called. And there was this, this, this quote on the wall that I had passed by every day. And I didn't quite understand what it meant, but it always impressed me. It was a quote by a, a lady by the name of Helen Keller. And here's what the quote said. It says, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. And that thing impressed me. Because I'd, I'd walk by, I mean, I'd drive by every day and I'd see the sign. I'd say, you know what? I'm not quite sure what that means. <laughs> because I was 16, I was 15. I didn't know what, what it meant to have a vision. I wasn't even saved. But when I got saved, I realized, you know what? I need a vision for my life. God created me for a purpose. He created me for a reason. I didn't just exist just for the sake of taking up space. How many of you know that you're here for a reason and a purpose? Amen? Amen. That, that He already wrote your script before you were even born. And that 
somehow I've, I've come to realize more and more as, I, as I've grown in this, that God put everything on earth already for me to fulfill my purpose even before I got here. I mean, think about this. If Apple computer never makes a computer without making all the parts available to fix that computer if anything goes wrong, then how about the great creator, God himself? Would he put me here without putting everything I needed to fulfill what I was designed to do? It's already here. And I realized that I needed to live my life on purpose. So from early in my walk as a, as a Christian, I started to formulate my own mission statement. What it was that I was living for. And as I'd go through, I'd realize that each year, I'd have to start to review it and find out if I was still on track. Are you with me so far? And I got married. I decided, you know what? I needed to bring my wife into this revelation. So we decided to try and figure out why we were married. How many of you know that there are some people that know they're supposed to be married? They just don't know why. <laughs> and so we sat down one day and we said, hey, what's the vision for our marriage? We started working on that. And then after a couple of years, we stopped. And that wasn't a good thing. And I realized in the last couple of years or so, I started to get back to this thing where every year at the end of the year, I'd sit down and ask myself, am I fulfilling my vision for my life? What is next year going to look like? I want to give you some keys to fulfilling your vision to making 2013 the best year of your life. Amen? Amen. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1 says this, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. And watch to see what he will say to me. And what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets. That he may run who reads it. I want to talk to you about six things that you need to do to make 2013 the best year. Now, this is going to be real practical. I'm going to get real practical. So you may want to take notes, but this is going to be a whole lot of information coming at you. So just, just walk with me. Um, Pastor Evan started talking about this back at Winter Wonderland. I'm just kind of going to jump, piggyback on some of the things he said. The first thing that we need to do to start the new year right is pause. Someone say pause. Come on, say it again. Say pause. 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 Uh, turn to Isaiah 40 verse 31. Isaiah 40 verse 31. Pause means to stop doing what you're doing right now. Pause means to take a break. Um, you, you know what? Habakkuk was found himself on the rampart. A rampart is a watchtower or a tall wall that surrounds a city. In other words, Habakkuk climbed up. In fact, one version said, I climbed up to my watchtower to hear what the Lord would say to me. Here's, here's what Habakkuk did. Habakkuk moved himself away from everything that he was experiencing and everything he was seeing and all the people that were around him. He separated himself so that he could take a break. So that he could pause to hear what God would say. Sometimes we get so busy that we don't have time to take a break. 
But if we don't take a break between the old and the new, we simply continue what was old into the new. We've got to take a pause. Isaiah 40 says this. Listen, listen to what, what, what word says. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, But those who do what? Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Listen, you've got to wait on the Lord in order to run again. You've got to wait on the Lord in order to walk again. He who keeps running will faint. And he who keeps walking will fall. But those that wait renew their strength so they can run again. Are you hearing what you see what I'm saying? In other words, there's a time to work and there's a time to wait. And if you keep working without waiting, then you never get enough time to process the past and plan for the future. So you got to pause. you got to pause. Uh, to end the new year right. And to begin the new, uh, the old year right. And to begin the new year right. You have to get away from your regular activities and busyness. You have to withdraw. You have to withdraw. Uh, Mark chapter 1 verse 35. Um, th- this, is what, this is what Jesus did. Jesus, l- listen to this. Jesus, look at this. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight... He went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Look at verse 36. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. Hold on right there. Here's what was happening. Jesus had just done some miracles in the midst of all these people. And Jesus now, he snuck off when they weren't looking. And everybody was looking for Jesus so that Jesus could stick around and do what they wanted him to do. But Jesus wanted to find out what the Lord wanted him to do. So he snuck off when they weren't looking. And so his disciples and all the people who were being blessed by him started looking. Where where is he? Where is he? We need him. Here's what the next verse says. Verse 37. Look at this. And when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. But look at Jesus' response. Jesus said, uh, But he said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. Why? Because for this what? For this purpose I have come forth. In other words, here's the thing. The children are demanding you. Your spouse is demanding you. The workplace is demanding you. Everybody has an emergency. But you need to pull away long enough so you can figure out what purpose you have come for. So that you can start to plan for that purpose and not just do what everybody wants you to do. Do you realize if you don't purposely pause, everyone will find something to fill up your time? Are you hearing me this morning? You've got to purposely, deliberately pause. But most of us are too busy to get a vision for next year. And sometimes that business even includes TV. (laughs) My wife cleared her throat. Praise the Lord. Listen, man, if you don't pause, you end up doing what everyone else wants you to do. You've got to pause. Number one is pause. Number two is process. Say process. 
process, process. Um, Isaiah 46, verse 9 to 10. Let's look at Isaiah 46, verse 9 to 10. See, Habakkuk was on this watchtower. You know what was special about Habakkuk? Habakkuk on the watchtower got a perspective that he couldn't get on the ground. How many of you realize that it looks different when you're far above it? Amen? And so here's what Habakkuk was able to. He was able to process properly where he was. And this is what you need to do when you pause. You've got to pause, but then you've got to process. Here's what Isaiah 46 says. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none, and there is no other. This is what God was saying. I need you to remember what I did in the past. And the reason he's saying remember is because how many of you understand that we can forget? How many of you know that you can walk through 2012 and think it was the worst year in your life because you forgot what he did? You can look at this year and thought it was just terrible because you're remembering last week, but you're not remembering three months ago or ten months ago or when you started where you were. Some of us, because we have a wrong perspective, we're down here and we haven't paused long enough to get a big perspective. We really are not looking back five or six or seven months. We're looking back at last week and we're thinking, man, I can't wait for 2012 to be ended. And God said, don't you remember that I am God and there is no other? Don't you remember the faith fights you came through? Don't you remember the land that I caught you victory in? Don't you remember the giants that you slayed? Don't you remember the things that I overcame for you? We've got to pause long enough to process the victories that we had. And we've got to pause long enough to process the, the, even the defeats. And ask ourselves, what did we learn from them? Because can I tell you something? Experience is not the greatest teacher. Or else all people would be the smartest people. Let me even know some old... Alright, no, don't worry about that. All right. Let me tell you what's the great... Evaluated experience is the greatest teacher. And if you don't take time to evaluate your experiences, then you never learn from them. Mm, yeah. I'll tell you this, I mean, listen, TV, uh, you turn on the TV, they're going to be doing, um, they're going to be doing some remembering of the former things. Look, look, look what it says next, 46 verse 10, look at verse 10, it says this, declaring, this is God, declaring the end from the beginning. In other words, here's what God says, God says, uh, before I even begin something, I already have declared the end of that thing. In other words, I know the purpose of everything I have declared. You don't. So what you need to do is stop, remember the things of the past, so you can see the pattern for where I've already declared it was going in the first place. Oh boy. Alright, that's a whole message by itself right there. And from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, I will do all my pleasure. In other words, God is going to do what He's going to do. God has a purpose for your life. And if you stop long enough to process what He's been doing, then you'll see where He's taking you. Amen? Alright, listen. I, I, was, I, was, I was talking about TV. You know what? I was, I was thinking about this the other day. I said, what am I going to see on TV this year as they do this, you know, 2012 recap of 2012? I was thinking this. I was thinking uh, they'll probably talk about witness death, Usain's medals, <laughs> you know, uh, Sandy's destruction, 
Obama's election, Gangnam Style. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. I was thinking, well, what would my life look like as I'm thinking about if my life was on TV and I started looking at this year and I started thinking, you know what? At the beginning of this year, I had a different car than I have now. And I'm thinking, wow, praise God. Look how God did something for me. I remember, you know, at the beginning of this year, I was believing for a vacation, take my whole family to Jamaica. And we did. You know what I mean? And it was a blessing because we did also. I mean, we celebrated my wife's birthday there. I celebrated my, my child's birthday there. We did so many wonderful things. Um, I, I, I started thinking back. It's not just material things. I, at the beginning of this year, I was praying about my children growing in certain areas of responsibility for themselves. And I've watched them change. I've watched them take on some things. I, I, I've watched them grow spiritually and talent-wise. I, I, this year, I led a true group. Man, I'm excited about that because I'm telling you, um, the guys in that group are awesome and I just loved it. And I think about this year that we started some, some true groups that were uh, for marriages and men and women and that was successful. And I remember praying about that and I saw that kind of happen and flourish and God bless people through it. And I think about the ministry and the things that God has used me to do this year and I think, wow, look what the Lord has done. And I think to myself, now I know that I can trust Him for what He's going to do because of what He has done. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to sit back and look at your year and process. You've got to process. You've got to process. Um, even the negative stuff. Um, let me say this real quick. Psalm 73, verse 1 to 3. Look at this thing. This is a guy. His name is Asaph. He says, Truly, God is good to Israel, to such as are impure in heart. Listen to this guy. Verse 3, 2. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Verse 3. For I was envious of the boastful. He means the rich. Watch this. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now watch. Here, here, here's his problem. He saw other people getting furniture when he wasn't. He saw somebody pull up in a brand new whatever. He saw somebody break out an iPad. Or somebody bring, you know, you know, he saw somebody prospering and he started to get envious in his heart. And he's thinking, boy, God is good to Israel, but boy, I don't know about me. And for the next five or six verses, he just starts to describe all the things that were happening good to everyone else but him. Because this is how many of us see our year. But then look, look what happens. Uh, pick it up um, in, what is it, verse 10? Or you just jump to the next word. Thank you. 15. If I had said, I, would, I will speak thus. In other words, he said, if I had said, you know what, I'm going to say what I'm thinking. Behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. Verse 16. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. Hold on. So he was saying, I couldn't understand how it is. Everybody was looking blessed except me. Look at the next verse. Oh, I love this. Until... I went into the sanctuary of God. In other words, guess what? When he went into God's presence, he got the right perspective. You've got to pause, take time in his presence in order to process what has happened in 2012. If you try to do it in the flesh, you're going to miss God's purpose. Hallelujah. Number one is pause. Number two is process. Help me, Lord. Number three is pray. Someone say pray. Pray. Uh, 
Habakkuk says this. I love, I love this. Habakkuk says, I will stand my watch. I will set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me. In other words, a lot of people uh, know the verse that says, write the vision down and make it plain. But a lot of people don't realize how Habakkuk got the vision in the first place. He got the vision by saying, I will watch to see what he will say. It's interesting that he didn't say, I will listen to hear what he will say. He said, I will watch to see what he will say. Why would he say that? Because when God speaks, we get vision. Vision comes from God's voice in our hearts. In other words, here's what I'm saying. We don't make up a vision for our lives. We download the vision for our lives. We say, God, what is it that you already have for me? So that I can then agree with whatever you have already said. Oh, yeah. I think I see what you're saying, Pastor Chair. I think I see what you're saying. All right. Saying is a function of speaking. But seeing is a function of vision. When God speaks, we receive vision. Uh, Vision is letting God tell you what His plan is for you. Vision is letting God tell you His plan for you. Are you getting this? He said, alright, you know what, Pastor? What if I pray and He doesn't answer? Trust me, He'll answer. If you go to God with a sincere heart saying, God, what, is, what, what do you have for me for 2013? Believe me, things are going to come. And if it lines up with this word, you can't go wrong. Uh, uh, look, look even, even if you're not sure it's the Lord saying that you should pray more, uh, trust me, you can't go wrong. <laughs> even if you're not sure if the Lord is saying you should study your Bible a little more, you can't go wrong. What, what if you're not sure if He was saying, boy, you know, I'm not sure if the Lord is the one telling me I should fast every Wednesday. You can't go wrong. That must be closer to his vision for you than your vision for you. How many of you know that I do not have a vision for myself that includes fasting? (laughs) But maybe the Lord does. Amen? Here's why it's important. Uh, Vision does a couple of things. Um, uh, Proverbs 29, 18 says, Without vision, the people perish. Right? Without vision, the people perish. Proverbs 29, 18. Perish means throw off restraint or cast off restraint. What it means is that people go wild without vision. Here's what vision creates. Vision creates, number one, clarity. Clarity. Do you know why you're here? Or do you know why you and your spouse are here? Or, or uh, if, if you don't know, then how do you know if you're being successful? If someone says to you, are you a successful couple? How do you know if you are, if you don't know why God put you together in the first place? I'm just asking. I'm just asking. Don't, don't, don't kill the messenger, right? I'm just... Vision creates clarity. In other words, it clarifies why you're doing what you're doing. Number two, vision creates boundaries. Someone say boundaries. Here, here's what I mean by that. Vision not only tells you what to do, vision tells you what you can't do. How many of you understand that it's really hard to tempt me with drugs? Because now part of my vision. You can't tempt me with 
anything that falls way outside my vision and purpose. Because I know why I'm here. You know, let me tell you something. If you know what, what your purpose is, if you're focused on your purpose, listen, man, you don't have time to waste with some stuff that's trivial. You don't have time to waste with... You don't have time. When I was in, when I was in college studying, I didn't watch TV because I had a purpose. Check me now. <laughs> different, just different, 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 different. But, but you get what I'm saying? It's easier for you to say no when you have a purpose. When people call you up and say, hey, can we do this? Yes, sir. It's easy for you to say no if you have a purpose. If you don't, then you just want to go, why? Like, you, you don't have an answer. Uh, purpose, it gives you, uh, vision gives you boundaries. Here's the other thing. Vision creates unity. Um, Division is what many marriages are in because you have two different visions. Division. In other words, one person is looking this way and the other person is looking that way. You're not seeing eye to eye. Right? You're not together. You're not working. Uh, here's what Amos 3.3 says. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? How about what Jesus says in Matthew 12, 25? He says, every house divided against itself cannot stand. In other words, here's the thing. If you don't sit down and come on the same page with your finances, if you don't sit down and come on the same page with your children, if you don't sit down and come on the same page with where you're going, you end up having so many arguments in 2013 because you never took the time to pause, to process, and to pray about where God was taking you. But if you settle it now, Then come June, when you're making a decision that both of you are sort of at ends with. You say, remember the vision that you wrote down. We're going to talk about that too. Are you with me? That's division. Here's the other thing about vision. Uh, Provision means for the vision. Division is divided. But provision means for the vision. In other words, if you're in unity with God's vision, then who's going to pay for the vision? God is. Why? Because it's His vision. It's not yours. So when you're praying about your kids and you think that, listen, God has given me this vision for this child. He's going to pay for the vision. He is going to provide for His own vision. And you don't become the source because it's not your vision. It's His vision. And you walk in unity with Him. Are you with me? Alright. Pause. Process. Pray. Here's number four. Plan. Plan. Verse 2 of Habakkuk says, listen to this. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. There are three principles of a great plan right here. Number one is the principle of documentation. You've got to write it down. I say to somebody, hey, do you have a budget? They say, yes. I say, where is it? They say, in my head. That's not a budget. It's not a budget until it's written down. No plan is a good plan until it's written down. You've got to write it down. Number two, it's the principle of simplification. What do I mean by that? It's got to be a plan that makes sense to anyone who reads it. It's got to be simple enough. In other words, losing 10 pounds by March 31st is a plan. Losing some weight at some point is not. 
Simplification. It's got to answer what, when, and how. It's got to answer what, when, and how. Number three, the principle of participation. What's that? It means that somebody else has to be involved in the vision. Man, if you're the only person keeping you accountable, you're in trouble right there. Are you with me? You got to get somebody else involved. So, it's got to be written. It's got to be simple. Somebody's got to participate in it with you. In other words, it could be a spouse. It could be somebody else, a friend, whatever. It's real easy nowadays with social media. They want you to post everything. All right? So I ran, you know, for 30 feet. And you post it on Facebook. Hey, you know what? Good for you. People like it. People comment on it. Hey, that's good. If that's enough participate, that's fine. But get people involved. Here's the thing about the plan. There's a five-part plan that I want you to look at. A five-part plan. If you are a single with children, it's four parts. If you're a single without children, it's three parts. Here's, here's how it goes. Number one is, what's God's vision for me as a person? First word is person. First plan is for you as a person. Here's what it covers. It covers things like uh, Mark 12.30 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now here are the four areas you want to cover here. Number one is your spiritual life, your emotional life, your intellectual life, and your physical life. In other words, you want to ask yourself, hey, God, what are you saying to me about prayer or word, the word or fasting or giving or fellowship or serving? If this is too fast, just get the tape. Amen? <laughs> Emotional. You want to ask yourself, God, what, about, uh, what are you saying for time for myself or counseling or my hobbies or what recharges me emotionally? Intellectually, you're asking, what books am I going to read? What podcasts am I going to listen to? What blogs am I going to follow? What magazines? In other words, if you're trying to lose weight, put down, um, what is it, Chic Magazine and pick up Fitness Magazine. Are you hearing me this morning? In other words, your vision ought to determine what you read. I ought to look at your library and your magazines and, determine, and figure out what your vision is for your life. Physically. How are you going to exercise, eat, sleep? You, you know what? You got to think through loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Um, the second thing is, what's God's vision for me as a partner in marriage? Not only as a person, but as a partner in marriage. What's God's vision for my marriage? If you're single, you can put some of this into your first part. But what's God's vision for my marriage spiritually? What's God's vision for my marriage financially? In other words, don't work out your financial budget and keep your spouse out of it. That don't make any sense. You've got to have unity in finance. If you want your marriage to be different in 2013, you better involve your spouse in your money. I'm telling you something. It is not your money. It's y'all's money. Hey, that's my favorite Texas phrase right there because it works right there in that sentence. Right there. It's y'all's money. Amen? Amen. So if you, listen, if you're a partner in marriage, you've got to make sure, what's your budget? Uh, how are you getting out of debt? How are you working together with that? Because if you have two different ideas, then when you guys get a windfall, guess what? One person wants to spend it, and one person wants to pay off debt, and you start to argue. But what if you had a plan before you got it? Relationally. 
relationally. Uh, communication. How's your communication? How's your sex life? How's dates going to work for 2013? What's going to be different? Because I know one of you want more and one of you want less. <coughs> Praise the Lord. I'm talking about dates. <laughs> You've got to come to a common vision. Someone say vision. Then the third, th- third year plan you need, or third part of your plan, is uh, what's God's plan for my life as a parent? So your person, your partner in marriage, your parent. In other words, what's God's vision for your family this year? What's God's vision for your, each of your children? Luke 2.52 says that Jesus increased, listen to this, in favor with God, in favor with man, in wisdom, and in stature. Those are four areas that you need to think about for your children. What's God's plan for them? And then, last two, professional. What's God's plan for you as a professional? In other words, what's God's vision for you on your job this year? And lastly, partner in ministry. What's God's plan for you as a partner at Word of Truth Family Church? What's God saying to you about how you serve or how you lead or where you need to take your ministry or where you need to take your serving level or where you need to be giving? Or what is God saying to you about how you're going to interact with His kingdom through the church? Then after you've paused and after you've processed and after you've prayed and after you've planned, then you need to prepare and prepare just says this. Listen, uh, Luke 14, Jesus talks about this man. Here's this parable. He says, uh, it says in verse 28. Can you go back to 28? For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it? I'll just stop it right there. Listen to me. A lot of times people have plans, but they never prepare to actually do the plan. In other words, they never take the time to mentally... You hear what pastor's saying about the fast? Start to mentally prepare yourself from the fast from now. A lot of times we have plans and we don't mentally prepare for the plan. Like, do you know what it will cost to actually lose those five pounds? Have you researched that? Um, are you willing to do it? What will happen if you don't follow through with your plan? You need to know what the negative results are if you don't fulfill what you're supposed to do. Because the negative results will motivate you to stay on the right track. Are you with me? You hear pastors say all the time, I think through what it will be if I'm not faithful to my wife. And I see myself losing my family, my ministry. I see myself losing everything. So guess what? That scene alone says to me, you know what? I ain't even going there. You've got to have the flip side. What is the worst that will happen if I don't lose this weight? I'll be in the hospital more. I may not do... You you see what I'm saying? There's some things that will happen. Secondly, uh, you've got to verbally prepare yourself. Start speaking the vision. Start saying, you know what? I'm out of debt. All my needs are met in abundance. I'm healthy. I'm I'm a morning person. Some of you want to be morning people. Start saying that from now. Amen? I'm a giver. Start, Start making some physical changes. That's the next thing. Start making some physical changes. And what I mean is this. If you want to be a morning person, let me tell you the secret. I'm working on it myself. The first thing is, physically take out the clothes that you're going to wear the next morning before you go to bed the night. Put the alarm clock on the clothes that you're going to wear the next morning and make sure that's not on your bed. Put it far from you. 
When you when the alarm clock rings, turn on every light you can turn on. You get what I'm saying? Put on the clothes and tie your shoelaces because it's always discouraging to jump into bed with shoes on. What am I saying? Sometimes you have to make some physical changes around you. Like put the ice cream in the deep freeze in the garage and leave the fruit out on the front counter. Because sometimes you're so lazy. Come on, work with me. You know what I'm saying. You don't want to look for the ice cream when the fruit is right there. Take the TV out of the bedroom. I'm saying make some... Fi- Alright, let's move on. Because you're all not flowing with me this morning but I'm all right mentally verbally physically relationally listen who do you need to stop hanging around man if you spend too much money on 2030 you say boy you know I'm not gonna spend as much money you know what the people who always call you to go shopping need to get off of your phone list you need to start telling me hey man don't call me in 2013 because every time you call you take a piece of money with you. Like every time we get together, I lose something. No, 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 no. You know what? Who, who do you need to coach you? Who is where you want to be? Do you know someone who is where you want to be? Hook up with that person. And then spiritually, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to empower you. Holy Spirit, empower me. And the final thing is practice. Do it. Just do it. Amen? James 1.22 says, uh, Do not be hearers of the world, word only, but be doers of the word. Listen, you put these things in practice, and 2013 is going to be a different year for you. Amen? You get something this morning? Hallelujah. <clears throat> All right. I'll just bow your heads real quick.